Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the gift and blessing of your holy and awesome and life-giving presence with us. Thank you for the mercy you have conveyed to us in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is through that mercy and through that deep and abiding love that we have gathered here today. We have been brought from our homes to this place, Lord God, where we are confronted with your presence. Lord, seeing you face to face reveals to us, Lord, our need for your grace and mercy, our brokenness, the, the hard, the hardness of our hearts, Lord, our selfishness. Lord, we pray that you would give us the grace and mercy to lay down our burdens before you now. Please open our eyes that we might see you, our hearts that we might receive you, our minds that we might seek after you. And we pray that you would bless this service, Lord God, that you give me your words and give us all your word to be proclaimers of your message of redemption. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. It is so splendid to see you all on this lovely Sunday morning. Now, in construction and, excuse me, in mechanic work, uh, there's many ways to attach two things together, two objects together, right? There's glues, there's, um, there's nails, there's screws, there's bolts. You can use rivets too. Uh, you can use chewing gum and, uh, rust sometimes sticks things together as well. That's a favorite of many people. But then there is the universal favorite for attaching two objects together, and that is duct tape, right? Duct tape works better than all kinds of things. Uh, But to make a permanent and an inflexible bond between two ferrous metals, the most solid way to achieve this is through the process we called welding, right? In welding, you take two pieces of steel, and through injecting a tremendous electrical current through them at a, a specific spot, Due to the resistance in the metal, it causes incredibly high heat to be generated in the area of the weld, which then liquefies the metal around it and causes the metal of the two pieces to be fused together, to flow together and to be fused together. That's the process of welding. And and just this last week, I was welding up some brackets and reminded of how important it is to get the heat right, the temperature right. To make sure the metal is clean and prepared so that when they are liquefied, they are completely bonded together and nothing gets in the middle of that bond between the two metals. In the process of welding, it's a really beautiful thing because as opposed to all those other techniques of bonding two things together, they remain distinct pieces in the, all those other, all those other means. But in welding, you can't tell the difference between one piece and another because Portions of one have flowed into the other, and the same has gone the other direction, so that they are indistinguishable from each other. And they become inseparable through this process. Now this leads us uh, clearly to the book of Ruth, right? Which follows the story of the life of a young woman named, what was her name? Ruth. Ruth, you all are sharp this morning. Good work. A woman named Ruth. Now, she becomes a part of the narrative when an Israelite family from Bethlehem moves to the country of Moab 
where there was more food, right? Because there had been famine in Bethlehem, and so they moved out and went to places, more fertile fields, right, where the grass was greener in that place called Moab, which Utah is a long way to get from it, from Israel, but no, it's, it was just right south of where they were. Uh, so the father is called Elimelech, and his wife is Naomi, which is my grandmother's name, uh, and that name means pleasant. They have two boys, Malon and Chilion, and Elimelech dies. You know, it's got to be an exciting story. So Elimelech dies, and Naomi is left with her two sons, Malon and Chilion. What do they do? Well, they both marry Moabite girls, which was frowned upon, right? This is not what you were supposed to do. Good boy, good Israelite boys were supposed to marry good Israelite girls. But they marry these two foreigner girls, and their names are Orpah and Ruth. Now, the story gets even more complicated, right? Because what happens to those two sons? They die too, right? So now, Naomi is left with just her daughters-in-law. Now, this is not an ideal situation, not because you don't want a mother-in-law and daughters-in-law being together, but because in the ancient Near East, to be a widow was to be completely vulnerable, uh, men were security, men could hold property, uh, men had authority in the community. It was very hard to be a single woman, unfortunately. And widows, therefore, were one of the most vulnerable, vulnerable groups for exploitation. So here we have not just one widows, but how many? Three widows. Three widows in a land that was foreign to the eldest of them. And must have been somewhat foreign to the two girls who had married foreigners themselves. They had moved themselves onto somewhat of the outside of society. Now Naomi decides to lead Moab and to head back to Israel because she has heard that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. The famine had ended. God was providing a new harvest for Israel. And so Naomi realizes it would be better for her to be at home. So the reason she had left was now gone, and she realizes she needs to be surrounded by people who are her kin. On the way back with these two girls, she begins to consider what this move means for them all. And so she says to the daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you in the house of your husband. Go back. Go back to your families and live with them and get married again and find joy and security and hope. Now, as she is telling these girls this, she's weeping because she truly loves these girls. Now, Naomi must have been a fabulous mother-in-law. Or their home's not so great because both the girls want to stay with her, right? Their immediate response is, no, we will return with you to your people. We want to be with you, Naomi. They both want to go and find their future at her side. But Naomi lays out for them what the future with her will look like. She says, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Right, remember in Israelite culture that if, uh, the, if you're married to one of the sons and they die and you have no children, then you marry, then the younger son marries you or the next son marries you. 
She says, turn back, my daughters, go on your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Naomi's lost hope. She's lost hope. She's become bitter. She's gone from being a woman who was named pleasant to wanting to be named bitter. Life has changed for her, and she has responded by becoming embittered. Her hope has been lost. And so she's saying, look, girls, I can't be there for you forever. And even if I could have more sons for you right now, you're going to have to wait a long time till you can marry them. It's not going to work out for you. Go back. God has made things too hard for me. And I'm doing the only thing I can think to do right now. I'm leaving and going home. Now, it's interesting to note here Naomi's view of the circumstances that have befallen her. You can hear it in her voice. She believes this difficult time in her life is because God has turned away from her. She is reading the circumstances in her life, which are rough, right? She's lost her husband and her two sons. Life has been rough for her, but she's reading it as though it's God's punishment of her. God turning away from her. But similar to the book of Job, which we have been reading the last few weeks before this, this story is a very different story than the way Naomi's seeing it. The Lord has not turned away from her. The Lord is there with her. Now, the result of Naomi's words is that Orpah, who apparently Oprah Winfrey is named after, uh, after much crying, hugging, and kissing, turns back and returns to her family. But Ruth, Ruth does something different. The passage tells us Ruth clung to her. Ruth clung to her. She would not let her leave without her. They were going to be together. And therefore, Naomi says to her, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Go. Go with her. She's made a wise decision. But Ruth replies to her with one of the most beautiful statements about love we have in the scriptures. She says, Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, if even death parts me from you. Ruth is completely committed to Naomi and binds herself to her. Love does that, doesn't it? Love binds people together. It's like a glue that holds together two different people, and it holds them fast. And it is this commitment 
that God weaves through the generations, through the faithfulness of this Moabite woman, Ruth. It is through her that in just three generations will bring about the king, King David. And it's through the line of David, after many more generations, that the Lord would give us his son, the one who would bind us to himself as well. You see, love, love is a lot like welding. It connects two things together, two people together. But like I mentioned briefly in the beginning of the sermon, there is an enemy to the, to a proper bond in welding. It's the impurities in the metal that can cause a weld to fail. Before these pieces of metal that you see all painted up here were bonded together, they had to be completely cleaned, completely stripped. All the rust, all the oil, all the, um, the protective covering that was on them to keep them from rusting or uh, while they were on the shelf at the metal shop, that all had to be removed until you got down to bare, clean, pure metal, pure steel. So that when that current was fed through them, it was just steel bonding to steel. The same is true in our spiritual lives as well. Before a proper weld can take place, before a bond of love can be completely generated, Jesus Christ has to come and strip the impurities, to clean it, to prepare the people to be bound together by love. This is what he's come to do, to heal the impurities that keep us from bonding to God and to weld us to himself. This all took place by the grace of God. This work of Christ took place because of a young woman a young widow, a foreigner, who held fast, who held on to hope and trust and the God of the Israelites when all was falling apart around her. May her story be ours. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for the faithfulness of Ruth. Thank you for the way that you took this woman whose circumstances had seemed to turn against, who when life was at its worst and at its hardest, and she seemed to have nowhere to turn, Lord, that you held her fast and she held you fast, and that the love between she and Naomi, Lord God, was strong, and that they supported one another. Lord God, thank you for using her using her to be a part of our redemption. Lord, that our Savior would come through this story is such a gift and a blessing because it speaks to us of the way that you work and move in the midst of sorrow and difficulty and pain to bring about your perfect and beautiful reconciliation. We turn to you now, Lord. We know pain, we know difficulty, and we know hardship. Lord God, we pray that you would weld us to yourself and to one another. Lord, remove our impurities, cleanse us, and prepare us for this. And we pray that you would pour your strength and life and joy and the radiance of your glory into us, Lord, 
that we might be bound to you and reconciled to you forever. And may this love, Lord, flow out from this relationship with you to others, that we might love you and love our neighbor as ourself. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.